Hey, good morning, everybody. Okay, so perhaps you already know this, but this is Cameron's first Father's Day ever. He has a small human at home named Andrew. How many weeks old now? He is a little more than four weeks old. Whoa. You know he's young when you're measuring in weeks. Yep. yep. Yeah, baby. Very good times. Very good. And Cameron is actually just back from paternity leave, too. So he had four First weeks. First Sunday. Weeks, something like that. He so looks surprisingly rested. He looks great. It's really amazing. Yeah, yeah. 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 He's young. Yeah, that's old. true. That's we're, true. We're more weathered. Youth ministry prepared. Yes, that's, that's true. true. That's true. All those lock-ins, you're ready. Well, we were thinking about how to mark the occasion here and had some conversation among the three of us. And we decided it was important for... Uh, Doug and myself, who are, are more weathered in the parenting journey, to give some words of counsel to Cameron, who is, is just starting the journey. So we each have three. We, we didn't discuss who would go first. No, 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 we didn't. No, but you you're welcome. No, no, you're ready. You're ready talking. Go, go, go. Okay. Okay. Word of wisdom number one. Securely attach the diaper. Mm. Yeah. Now, one of my children, and I, I don't want to embarrass them by saying which one it was, but it's, it's the one who was born first. She, um, so when she was young, she had this habit of removing her diaper and um, flinging it here and there. And, and as, as she flung, other things would fling. And it, was, it was not a good thing. So we got into this practice where I would take her out of the tub at night uh, and st this is when she was standing, you can tell. Stand her up and say, okay, arms up. And she put her arms up and a little baby belly hanging out and have the diaper on her. And then I would take masking tape and tape not to her body, wasn't to her body, but I would, I would make like a little belt of masking tape and just, uh, just around the, the top of the diaper, put it on there and just have her spin. Get that, get that on there nice and tight. And it covered over a multitude of sins. So, oh, yep, that's one. Wow, you've got to work that into like an armor of God illustration for children's yes. ministry. I think that would be quite powerful. Um, well, you know, this didn't happen to me, but I heard that this is an important piece of advice. Don't put the butt paste next to the toothpaste <laughs> in the bathroom. In fact, don't take the butt paste into the bathroom at all. Because you may or may not, in a drunken stupor or a sleepless night, brush your teeth with butt paste. Quite a, quite a rude awakening. So just, uh, just a little wisdom for those uh, late night oral hygiene moments. Yes, yes. stated differently. If, if you're brushing your teeth and it's not minty fresh, Anyway, so here's, here's a second one for me, and that is utilize the tag team. So Channer, your like younger WWE watching self, body slams, chair hits, all that, but channel that into a parenting approach with your wife, tag team. One sleeps, the other works. One goes for a workout, the other works. One takes a run, the other works. One goes to the store. The other works, working with the baby, yeah. of course. Use your inner tag team. Mm. 
Oh, man, that's so good. Uh, this one is a little controversial. Again, not me. Somebody else told me about this. A friend. A friend. Someone. Yeah, yeah let's call him Bob. I'm not sure who it is. Anyway, my, okay. When the baby wakes up at night, pretend you don't hear the baby <laughs> and continue sleeping <laughs> in the hopes that your spouse wakes up before you do. You won't be quite as responsible, but it works some of the time. At least once, it'll work. The rest of the time, you might, uh, you might, you might be woken up more rudely. Yes, but that's, uh, that's my secret piece of advice. That's in the back page, the appendix of the handbook. That's right. Uh, and I'm, I'm just going to say outright, I doubt that any parent in this room has ever... Ever. Ever done that. No, no, no. That's, that's never... None of these parents have done any of that. That's right. That's shocking. Yes. I haven't lost any eye contact with anybody yes. in the room just now. Yes. Yes. That's good. All right. Third and final, uh, and maybe a, a little more serious than the other two, but uh, save your best energy for home. So... Uh, what you do is important. What you do has eternal consequence. And uh, working with you these last, I want to say, six years, I love seeing you give your absolute all to our children and our youth. And that includes my family. So thank you for that. But I want to say, save something back. Your best energies are not to go to your work day. Your best energies are for when you get home, for your wife, for that little one. Save a little bit back. We've talked about this. You know, for me, Crenshaw is my line on my commute home. By the time I pass Crenshaw, I've got to be done thinking about, praying about, calling the people, all the things from the day. And from that point on home, I'm thinking about and praying about my wife and my kids. Awesome. So good. Mine is sort of related to this. We didn't talk about these beforehand. Mine is related to this. Um, find creative ways to take care of yourself in this season, right? So much energy is spent at home. Uh, your priority is to your family, to your kid, to your wife, and you want to be 100% present for them. But in order to do that effectively, not only do you need to be able to sort of, uh, you know, cut off work life and, and save some energy, but you also have to refresh yourself and find space and time to take care of those needs. And I would say don't be afraid of articulating those needs and pursuing solutions to those creative solutions to uh, keep yourself fresh and energized because it's definitely a marathon, not a sprint. All right. Well, I think you're first, yeah? Yes. We're tag teaming today. We are tag teaming. I'm embracing my Thanks. inner tag team already. Yeah, that's right. All right. That's right. We're let me go ahead and pray, and then I'm going to explain what we're doing this morning, all right? So let me pray. Dear Selene Father, thank you so much for all that you do. God, thank you so much for our fathers. Thank you so much for our children. God, thank you for all of it. Thank you for life. I ask that as we talk about... Um, our kids and our fathers and what we can do 
to best help our kids. God, I pray that you would give us wisdom and guidance. In your name I pray, amen. All right, so what we are doing today, we, it is called Shema Sunday. And as you can tell, kids are in the room because it's family worship weekend, because this morning it's all about them. So before I even kind of get into what we're doing, here's what I want for kids or adults. Um, at the end of service, I will have a treat. If you can give me a tally number of the amount of times that we say Shema Sunday or Shema and instilling a legacy of faith, okay? So those two phrases, I want you to listen for those phrases, create a tally, come see me at the end, out in the cafe, I will give you even a special treat, okay? But we're calling this Shema Sunday, and this whole morning is about our kids and our students. Shema is a Hebrew word, and it refers to a passage of scripture, specifically Deuteronomy 6, 4 through 9. And we're going to read that together in a little bit. But basically, this passage of Scripture, it outlines the duty of all parents to instill a legacy of faith in their kids. What does that mean? That means to help teach our kids the faith, how to live a life of faith, how to not just teach them, but teach them so well that it's like breathing for them, that they latch onto it and want that for themselves. That's what it means to instill this legacy of faith. But parents can't do it alone. There's that old saying, it takes a village. It takes a village. And that is where the church comes in. The church and parents partner together. And that is really the goal of kid life and student life, is to partner with parents to help help parents instill a legacy of faith in their kids, so that those kids will grow up to be responsible adults who love God and the church. And that is what this morning, Shema Sunday, is all about. We want to do three big things. We want to first remind our church, remind you guys of our goals in kid life, in student life, and what it is that we want to help our kids do. The second thing that we want to do is we want to um, celebrate those transitions that our kids and our students are making especially those ones from grade to grade, but especially those who are transitioning schools from fifth grade to sixth grade into junior high, from eighth grade to ninth grade into high school, and then from 12th grade to college and beyond. And so we want to honor and celebrate those transitions that our kids and our students are making. And the final goal that we want is we want to encourage our students and kids to continue on their journey towards Christ, to continue to encourage and help them along, to cheer them on as we continue to kind of uh, honor these mile markers and um, respect and honor and celebrate these mile markers that are going on in their lives. So in kid life, here is the big kid life goal. We want to help kids know God, not just know about God, but truly know him. And so a lot of kid life is about um, these tangible, concrete lessons, stories, where they can really grasp this is who God is. These are his characteristics. This is what it looks like. And so we have these Bible points that are designed in such a way as to help them be able to remember this is who God is. God is real. In student life, 
our goal is to take that to the next level. They have this kind of head knowledge of who God is. Now we want to help challenge them to bring it down to their heart, to bring it into their lives, in their everyday lives, and how they live. We want to help students take responsibility for their own faith, to own their faith. So it's not just their parents' choice to say, I want this life of faith, or I want to go to church, but it's their choice. And student life, from sixth grade all the way through 12th grade, it's this long process of owning their faith. It doesn't happen immediately in sixth grade. It doesn't happen even immediately in ninth grade. It's this lifelong process, but especially throughout these years. And so we want to help them. And student life is this safe place where they can work out their faith, where they can figure out what is it that God wants me to do, and then how do I actually live that out in my everyday life at school? or at home with my siblings, or uh, at the park, or anywhere else, at the mall with our friends. And so that's what we want student life to do. That is the goal, is to help our students own their faith. Now, Tim, how does this, how do these two visions, how do they interact with Life Covenant's vision? Well, let me tell you. So, uh, our vision as a church will be familiar to many of you. It's this, uh, we exist to be and make disciples in authentic community for the good of the world. And we do this in the presence and the power of Jesus. Uh, think with me for a moment about what this looks like in the life of our kids, right? Our children are our first and our nearest mission field. And for us to live this out in their lives, to, to think about this, how do we help our children become these lifelong followers of Jesus? How do we help them be disciples and, and uh, to go on to make disciples as well. But this is such a focus for us as a church. What does it look like to be an apprentice to Jesus? And we'll detail a little bit the things that we do uh, at different age appropriate uh, points along the way to help them into that. And, and think about this too, friends. This is something that is a calling, as Cameron mentioned, not just for the parents. This is and always has been, as we'll see in the scriptures in a minute, a call for the entire people of God. Uh, so whether you are a parent or maybe you're an empty nester, uh, maybe you're single, maybe you're divorced, maybe you're widowed, maybe you have kids, maybe you don't have kids, this is a call for the entire church. These children and these youth are ours collectively to raise. God has entrusted them to us. And our task is to impress upon them, to instill in them a lifelong faith. Think about it this way. Instilling this legacy of faith is like planting a tree. And the tree doesn't immediately give fruit. It takes a lot of cultivation, a lot of years. In fact, my wife has a lime tree that she's tenderly trying to take care of that's been years, and now it's finally just starting to sprout fruit. And that is what this instilling a legacy of faith in our kids is. It's not for our own benefit, but for their kids and their grandkids so that they can do the same thing and instill a legacy of faith in their own kids. And so with that in mind, we want to recognize all of these big transitions. We want to recognize our fifth graders who are transitioning into sixth grade, into junior high. We want to uh, recognize our eighth graders who are transitioning into high school. And finally, our 12th graders who are transitioning into college and beyond. We've got nine students at least trans, uh, transitioning from kid life into student life. 
So from fifth grade into sixth grade. We have five students graduating eighth grade and transitioning into high school. And we've got three students graduating 12th grade and getting ready for college and beyond. And we want to make a significant note of these transitions because they are significant. And some of these students have been in student life for three years or more. They have been learning from me and our other volunteers, learning what a life of faith looks like and how do you live this out. They've reached this mile marker in their journey towards Christ, and we want to recognize that and spur them on, encourage them towards the next one. But before we do, let me, inter- let me show you guys a video where they can introduce themselves. So if you turn your attention to the screen. My name is Travis, and I go, and in the fall, I'm going to go to uh, Christ Lutheran School in San Pedro. And what, my favorite hobby is uh, baseball. And uh, at church, I really like to play games in the kid life room because they're really fun and uh, they get you, like, moving. Hi, my name is Liliana, and I'm going in sixth grade in a school in Texas. I love to play softball, and I love animals. My, I love learning about God and kid life with Mr. Cameron. Hi, my name is Weston. I'm 11. I go to. I am going to JH Hole in the fall. I like video games, and something I like about Life Covenant Church is that they have a kids class for the younger students. Hi, I am Kaya Neri. I'm going to Dodson Gifted Magnet Middle School. I like to read, draw, and dance. I'm interested in Harry Potter and the group BTS. I like church because I get to learn more about God. Hi, my name is Juniper Mercer. I am going to Da Vinci in um, in August, and a hobby I really like to do is musicals. I, I like to participate in musicals in a group called Haven Academy of the Arts. What I like about God is that He's everywhere and He's supporting you anywhere, no matter what your situation you're in, and everywhere. I'm going into the ninth grade at Redondo Union High School, and something I really enjoy is playing board, card, and video games. Hi, I'm Jojo Lee, and I'm going to Torrance High High School next year, and I'd like to play guitar. Hi, my name is Violet Day, and I am attending Torrance High School in the fall. My favorite hobby is cheerleading, and I really like the family that Life Covenant has. Hi, my name is Hannah Mori. I will be attending Torrance High School in the fall, and my favorite hobby is cubing. Hi, I'm Eli. I'm going to Peninsula High School, and something I like about student life is Cameron is the best youth pastor ever. Hi, my name is Dominic Carrera. Um, I just graduated from West High School, and I'll be attending San Jose State University in the fall with, as a political science major. Um, my favorite hobby is listening to music and going for relaxing car drives. And my favorite thing about uh, the, the church is just the sense of community and welcoming I get every time I step through the doors. Thank you. Awesome. A great, uh, great looking bunch of kids there. Love it. Our kids and youth. 
uh, and so many that we've, uh, we've known literally since birth. So it's, it's really a privilege to be seeing, uh, seeing these kids grow up among us. Uh, hey, so uh, we're going to have some, some covenants for our kids, our youth, and for the adults. But before that, I, I want us to look for a few minutes at the scriptures and uh, this whole notion of Shema. So tally that, everybody, who's looking for a treat from Cameron afterwards. But uh, this, this whole notion of the Shema and what this is. And uh, for this, uh, we're going to look in the scriptures at the book of Deuteronomy, uh, chapter 5. And uh, as Cameron has explained, uh, we want to see our kids come to faith. And in that, a robust, lifelong faith. Uh, to come to a place where they know God and they cherish him, where they understand what Jesus has done for them, and they are responding to his love uh, in ways that are real and that are deep and significant in their lives. We want our kids to grow up to be more than just, just kind of good citizens who keep their noses clean. We want them to be engaged in the mission of God in the world. We want them to be living with God in such a way that the faith is transforming them and their transformed selves are being used by God in the world around him. And so how do we do this? What do the scriptures tell us about this? And there's some, some great research I want to incorporate into this too that's been very helpful. Um, the, the, the challenge that we have with our children in this, uh, and all who are parents will relate to this, and probably most who aren't parents too, but uh, there's challenges to seeing our kids grow up in the faith. Uh, as, as you learn when your child is very, very, very small, they have their own will. They are their own person. You cannot compel them to do virtually anything. Uh, they are their own human. Uh, and each of us deals with our own flesh as we decide whether we're going to walk with God and how seriously we'll walk with God, what that looks like. In addition, there's what the scriptures call the world, the culture around us that seeks to press us into its mold. And it's no surprise to anybody here that it is far more difficult to walk with Christ today than it was 10, 20, or 30 years ago. Our children are growing up in a time where there are more challenges to their faith than you and I had as we were growing up. How do we equip them for that? And then also the scriptures teach us there is an enemy to our souls who hates us and works against us. How do we come against the flesh, the world, the devil, as, uh, as we are investing in our children. Uh, the Fuller Youth Institute at, at Fuller Seminary uh, has been studying this question uh, for more than 30 years. Uh, they've done a host of longitudinal studies as well as point in time studies all around this question of what is it that makes faith sticky? What is it that helps a child grow up in such a way that the faith that they see as a child becomes their own? Uh, what is it that helps them overcome some of those gnarly statistics that you hear about for kids coming up in a youth group in their church who go to college and they lose their faith? They walk away from it. Depending on, uh, there's a range of studies, but uh, all of them agree it's somewhere between 50 and 70% of our kids who are raised in the church don't take on that faith as an adult. What are we able to do in their lives to help that faith become sticky? to help it uh, go with them into adulthood. And uh, the Fuller Youth Institute, they will tell you there's no silver bullet, there's no magic pill for this, but there are four factors they consistently see in children who grow up in the faith and keep that faith and live in it 
as adults. And I'll take you through those uh, as we go through, uh, through the scripture. Uh, so this is Deuteronomy. And this is how in Deuteronomy this issue is addressed. Verse 1, it says this. It says, these are the commands, decrees, and laws the Lord your God directed me to teach you to observe in the land you are crossing the Jordan to possess. So that you, hear this part, so that you, your children, and their children after them may fear the Lord your God as long as you live by keeping all his decrees and commands that I give you. And so that you may enjoy long life. Uh, God starts here by saying there is a promise that waits for you. There is an abundant life that each of us is seeking. And he says if you do these things, this is how you'll see that faith lived out in your own life and that faith transferred to your children and that faith transferred to their children as well. Cameron used the example of, of a tree before and the fruit that comes from that tree. Uh, well, ultimately think about this. The fruit of a tree is an orchard. Right? If you have a healthy tree and that tree produces fruit and that fruit drops to the ground, the seeds come into the ground, and then those seeds come up, the end product is an orchard. And when we're talking about our own faith, that's the end goal that we want for us too. An orchard where our children grow up in the faith and their children and their children after them. Uh, and the scriptures direct us to that. This is, this is the Shema. This is uh, the following verse. This is the prayer. Uh, that, that Jewish folks would pray every day. They still do. Devout Jews pray this every day. Hear this because it, it has much to teach us about sticky faith with our children. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Now pause there. That word impress. Now, uh, in, in Hebrew, this is the word that you would use if you were taking a king's insignia and stamping a wax seal with it. This is the, the word that you would use, impress, if you were, were, were taking a, a metal press and you were, you were pressing an image uh, into a, a piece of metal, into a tool, or into a household implement. This word, impress, means that something is, is entering into the thing that is being pressed upon. It says, you are to impress these things on your children's hearts. How? And let me give you four. This, again, this is from the research Fuller's done. What makes the difference between kids who stay in the faith and live in it in a lifelong way and those who fall away from it? The first is this. The first is modeling. It's modeling. Simply put, you get what you are. Now, again, no silver bullets. There's nothing here that's foolproof. But... They say more than any other factor, what you as a parent model for your children has huge impact for their faith as they grow up as well. Uh, that's why part of our goal here is partnering with parents. Part of that is, is helping parents live out robust faith. Kudos to you parents who are coming to the Spiritual Discipline Seminar next week as well. Just leaning in. The better we do, the better they will do as well. Listen to this, again from Deuteronomy. It says, impress these commands on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. Uh, in other words, saying whatever it is that you're doing, 
Whether you're waking or sleeping, whether you're going out, you're coming back in, if you're walking along the road, whatever it is that you are doing, use that as an opportunity to show and teach the faith to your children. If the faith is a part of you, that is not going to be lost on your kids. If you are a person who is earnestly seeking after Christ, that's the best thing you can do for yourself. That's the best thing you can do to live an abundant life. It's also the single best thing you can do for your children to help impress the faith on them. Uh, of course, the converse of this is true as well. Right? If, if you say to your children, hey, being part of the church is important, but you don't prioritize that in your life, that's going to tell them something too. If you say, hey, a personal relationship with God is the most important thing, but your child never sees you have a quiet time, that's going to impact them too. If you say, hey, following the commands of Jesus is so important, but man, they live with you, and they know if you do or if you don't, and if you don't, that's going to affect them too. Model the faith for your children. Live out the faith that you want them to have. This is the best thing that you can do. Second one is this. Second is family worship. And, uh, and by this, we mean times when the entire family of faith on a multi-generational way worships together. Uh, this, this is one of those, uh, I'll say it was one of those counterintuitive parts of Fuller's research in this. Uh, so I grew up, some of you will relate to this, but I grew up in a time where if, if you went to church, and sometimes I did uh, as a teen, uh, you go to youth group and it was kind of nothing but like pizza parties, as much caffeine and sugar as they could get into you, and it was just kind of all around play. And, uh, and the same often was true for Sundays as well. Everything was siloed off. You know, you were always with people in your own age group. You rarely experienced in meaningful ways folks in different generations in the church. Uh, when I was coming up, that was the common wisdom, right? If you want to keep your kids in the church, make it as fun as you can, have them right there all the time with their peers, da-da-da. Uh, what they found surprisingly, was that many of those kids had no idea how to transition into an adult faith once they reached adulthood. Uh, what they found was those churches that prioritized the entire family of faith being together, uh, that was a lot stickier. Those kids transitioned a whole lot better. Uh, so for us, we've, we've always uh, tried to have both. Right? We have age-appropriate instruction and worship for our kids. Three Sundays out of four, one week a month, we have all the kids in here. And, uh, and some of the kids love it until they get a little older, and then they don't like it, and then they get older, and maybe they like it again. Uh, some of the parents love it, and other parents are like, I hate those Sundays. I hate corralling my kids and this and that. And, um, and it, hey, man, I hear you. I've got a 17-year-old and a 14-year-old. I have been in those shoes. Uh, but we do this because it's important. I've had parents say to me uh, over the years, we're going to go to another church because we want to have our kids in Sunday school four out of four Sundays. And I, I mean, all I can say to them is, God bless you. We're not going to do that. Uh, this is purposeful. And it's going to serve your kids well in the long run. So family worship is, is a really important part of this. Uh, third is serving. So there's teaching with words, and then there's teaching with experience. And both of these are important. Both of these hit our hearts in different sorts of ways. Uh, 
the easiest way for us to do this is simply to bring our kids with us as we serve. Uh, so some of these opportunities are coming back online as we're rebuilding after COVID, but uh, many of you have been really faithful in bringing your kids to things like ShareFest, bringing your kids to Family Promise, bringing your kids to our homeless dinners, any opportunity for us to serve others. Man, that is powerful and sticky for your kids. You're teaching them not just the faith, but you're teaching them a particular version of the faith where you're a participant and not just a passenger. And we value that. That's super important. And as our kids get older, we start creating opportunities for them too, especially as they hit middle school and high school, uh, getting kids onto the sound team, getting kids working alongside some of the adults in the younger kids' classrooms, finding ways for them to be able uh, to serve here on Sundays as well as other times. Um, last one. This is five to one. Five to one. And this has to do with the people that we bring into our children's lives. So again, flashing way back to when I was a youth, uh, back in those days, kind of the rule of thumb is you needed one adult for every five children. It was kind of the way that you would staff a classroom or staff a youth ministry. Uh, what Fuller's discovered is you need to kind of invert that. It's actually five adults to every one kid. Now, that's not in the classroom at one time, but they say that those kids who do best, those kids who transition into adulthood and retain a robust faith they carry into life, that they can name five adult believers who are seriously invested in them growing up. Five to one. Think about that, even as you look at the kids in this room. Each of them needs five adults they can identify where they're like, okay, that one. That person was a model for me. That's somebody I knew prayed for me as I was growing up. That's a person that my parents could call on if we were in trouble. That's a person that I know loved me as I grew up. Uh, this, this concept has informed so much of what we do in our kids' ministry and in youth ministry. And it has informed the way that we parent. And I know some of you have been very intentional about us too, but like we can tell you who our five are. Our kids could probably tell you who the five are. I mean, we have been very intentional in just directly asking people, hey, will you be one of these people for us? We need you to be in this with us. And it has made a huge difference in our lives. And we're seeing the fruit of that in our kids' lives too. Even, um, uh, not to go into the full story, but, uh, but my oldest daughter, Abby, she's working at a Christian camp this summer, uh, which is super, super fun. Um, but even I was in a conversation with somebody this week where they're like, oh yeah, we're sending her a care package. And I was like, what? You're amazing. You know, how is this even possible? Folks in our church that have grown up caring for our kids. Uh, friends, listen, I, I want that for you. I want that for your children. I suspect you want it too. That is the kind of church we need to be if we're going to see our kids grow up in a faith that's robust. Uh, and one of those, and I know he's standing here, so I'm going to embarrass him, but I'll tell you what, um, I, I could not have imagined what a great children's and youth pastor we were getting uh, when we hired Cameron these years back. Seeing the impact he's had on, on my kids has been absolutely profound. One of my favorite things that I heard about Cameron, this was just a handful of weeks ago, but from one of our youth who, um, who has some church experience and is coming from kind of a bigger background too, he says, says, I love that my pastor 
knows me. And I was like, right on, man. Cameron's one of those five for that kid. I love that. So that's Deuteronomy 6. That is Shema. That is how we are seeking to impress a sticky faith on our kids. Also known as instilling a legacy of faith in our I kids. I think it's another, known as another that. mark. Another mark. mark. Down. Check. Well, today we want to make a covenant. We want to kind of reaffirm the covenant that we have been making and continue to make. But first, let's look at what a covenant is. A covenant is a commitment that we are making with God. So it's it's up and down. We're making it with God, but we're also making it with others around us. So it's also this kind of sideways covenant. It's this promise, but it's stronger than a promise. Um, you may have seen covenants in our lives, like when we go to weddings. There's this covenant between the husband and the wife and the, and the couple and the church and the couple and God, right? Baptisms and baby dedications, those are other commitments, other covenants that we make with each other to help our kids instill a legacy of faith in our kids. So that is what a covenant is. It's this strong promise. It's this significant promise that goes just beyond this promise of between two people. It's this community of faith and God. And so that's what we want to do today. We want to reaffirm our covenant to instill a legacy of faith in our kids. Tim, lead us in some covenants. All right. Okay, so the first one is for our children. So if you are a kid in the room today and you are elementary age or younger, can I have you stand up? So this is, you're not going into middle school yet, you're elementary age or younger. So I've got some words for you, okay? So kids, you are such a special part of this church family. And all of us, your parents, your Sunday school teachers, all the other adults here are so happy that God has made you part of this family. So here's the questions I have for you. Do you promise to keep learning uh, from, about who God is and how much he loves you? Do you promise to watch and learn from your parents, your pastors, your Sunday school teachers, and the older kids here too? If you do, can you say, I will? Hey. All right, and as you come to understand what it means to follow Jesus, we pray that you will put your faith in him and ask Jesus to come into your lives when you're still young. Okay, you can sit. Uh, any youth in the room? Can I have you guys stand up? You're going into... Sixth through twelfth grade. There we go, sixth through twelfth. That's what I mean to say by that. All right, hey, you, youths, you have reached an important milestone in your lives and also in your faith. As you enter adolescence, you begin a process of making your faith your own, not just an extension of your parents' faith. As you continue to grow, your faith and how you live it is going to have more and more to do with the choices that you make and not the choices that others are making for you. So here's a couple of questions for you. Will you promise to continue on this journey you have begun, seeking after God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, Will you promise to be open to the moving of God's Holy Spirit in your life and of his holy word as it shapes your values? If so, can you say, I will? All right. And as you come to understand what it means to follow Jesus, our prayer for you is that you will commit your life to him, placing your faith in him as Savior and Lord and acknowledging this faith in baptism 
and in obedience to Jesus' teachings. All right, adults, can I have you guys stand? Adults and those who consider themselves adults. Young and old, parents and non-parents, married and single, you've already been an important part of these young people's lives on their journey of faith. Yet in many ways, their most challenging days still lie ahead. Church, will you, as the family of faith, recommit yourselves to walking with these young people as they journey toward adulthood? Will you seek to live as an example of godliness for them? Will you pray for them and invest yourselves in their continued growth in their journey with Christ? If so, please say, I will. I will. will. All right. Let me pray for us. Father God, we ask that you would be the one who is working by your spirit in our hearts, moving us closer to you. We pray for the kids in this room that they would grow up with godly examples of faith all around them and that it would indeed be sticky. We pray for uh, the youth here as they come into these questions of will I actually make this faith my own. God, instill the faith in them in such a way that they might seek after you with all their hearts and walk with you all of their days. And God, for the adults, would you cause us not to grow weary in doing good, but to live in such a way that we can be the model these children need and that we can, for one another, be those people as Sunday school teachers, as models, as mentors, uh, who are investing in the kids of this church. May all this, God, be to your glory. We thank you for it. We trust you with it. In Christ's name, amen. Amen. You guys can be seated. Another way that we want to celebrate these transitions is we have tools for the journey. We have gifts for those students making transitions. So let me get them out real quick. So for our, for our uh, students going into sixth grade, um, the covenant, our denomination is fond and has always been fond of asking two questions. The first of which is, where is it written? Looking at the Bible, where is it written in the Bible? And so the first tool for the journey is a Bible. It's an important part of our journey towards Christ. And we want all of our students to be familiar with the Bible. We want them to highlight significant Bible verses. And so I have gone through and highlighted, started highlighting a couple of some of my favorite verses. And this is one of the things that we are giving all of our incoming sixth graders is a Bible. It's a study Bible too. (laughs) The second question that the covenant is uh, fond of asking each other is how goes your walk? It's kind of this check-in of how are you doing in this legacy of faith? How are you doing in your own walk towards Christ? And so we also have journals. Journals are helpful because they can help us reflect on the journey by recording all the things that God shows us or teaches us. We can uh, record our lessons and take notes and draw pictures and all of these things as we continue on our faith towards God. And so we also have a journal for all of our incoming sixth graders. For those going into eighth grade, we have two books that I have hand-selected, two books that uh, were significant for me. The first one 
is a book called Practice, The Practice of the Presence of God by a monk named Brother Lawrence. This is a book that's all about how do you live your life as a prayer, essentially. That prayer is not just this time where you bow your heads and close your eyes before meals, before bed, or at church. That your whole life can be a prayer, a conversation with God. I had a junior, uh, high school small group leader instill this book in me, and for him, he described when he worked at a grocery store and he would be stacking oranges and being in conversation with God. And so it's something that you can do in your everyday life. You can do whatever it is that you're doing, whether it's driving for adults or doing your homework or walking to school or playing on the playground, whatever it is, you don't have to stop and bow your heads that you can be in constant conversation with God, that you can be in the presence of God at every moment. So that is a book that we have for our eighth graders. Another book that we have for our eighth graders is a book called Do Hard Things by Alex and Brett Harris. And this is a book that is great. They, uh, these are two brothers. They actually wrote this book when they were still teenagers. And they noticed that the expectation level of teenagers was so low and that they wanted to write a book to challenge other teenagers to do hard things, to, um, to really chase after and challenge themselves, to not just skate off easy by doing just the bare minimum, by fulfilling just that bare minimum uh, expectation, but to try to raise the bar, raise the standard, and do hard things, to not shy away from those challenging things, those um, not hurtful things, but those things that might take some struggle, but will be good for you in the end. And so that is do hard things. That is, those are the two books that we are giving our eighth grade students. Tim, what are the two books that you have hand-selected for our 12th graders for our graduating seniors. So I was a college pastor for nine years before uh, being a lead pastor. So uh, college ministry is near and dear to my heart. And it's the first time in, in many of these young people's lives where there will be people around them that are actively trying to deconstruct their faith. So uh, for that leg of the journey, uh, two resources that I love to see our graduating seniors take with them is Mere Christianity by C.S. Lewis. And then a second book uh, called uh, Calling, or Called rather, uh, by Mark Laberton. Uh, the first is all about uh, the reason that stands behind our faith. Uh, and the second is helping them think well about what am I going to do with my life for the glory of God. So uh, some, some fun tools to send our youth with as they head off for college. Well, uh, we want to take some minutes as a church family and respond together in worship. And as we do that, we're going to come to the Lord's table. And uh, as we do this, I, I'd love for you to think about the Lord's table this way today. Uh, that this is the place where no matter what our differences are, be these generational differences, be these differences of age, be these differences of class or race, male, female, all of our differences are erased when we come to the Lord's table. We all come as beggars looking for bread. We all come as sinners in need of salvation. We all come as those who are looking for the forgiveness that God brings and the new life that he instills in us. And as we come to the table today, 
We confess our sins. Make this your prayer today. Most merciful God, we confess that we have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed by what we have done and by what we have left undone. We have not loved you with our whole heart. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. We are truly sorry and we humbly repent. For the sake of your son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on us and forgive us that we may delight in your will and walk in your ways to the glory of your name. Amen. Uh, and friends, to this confession, we add the Lord's words of pardon. If you have placed your faith in Jesus, do not despair. The blood of Jesus covers all. You are forgiven. Come to the Lord's table with joy. Receive the grace that he offers you and take it with a smile. Uh, as, we, uh, as we receive this morning, uh, we'll line up on this side for those who would like to take the bread and the cup itself. For those who would like to take an individual cup with the, the bread and the juice, uh, we'll have you line up on this side. But as we worship, let me invite you to come forward if you'd like to receive.